Hello there and welcome to another episode of Crystal Myth with myself Leslie Anderson and Mark Dornan who is theoretically next to me on the screen. Yes, actually that's what I was about to say in the form of Samael the seducer. Yes, my preferred form to take. I would like to, well you know how like I don't know if you ever watched Moon Knight which is recent I love it because it's all about ancient Egyptians. I just started watching it, Um, I've watched like the first two. I really like the yeah first I like to think that you're you're um as are all the as I the seducers avatar oh I'd like that yeah that would be awesome <laughs> I'd also like to winch Oscar Isaac so I feel like if we were both avatars that would be yeah more and I'll see even Hawk I can't like I look at him and I think he looks like either Willem Dafoe or a uh, that bacon guy <laughs> Yeah, he does look like Kevin well Bacon. Before Kevin Bacon had he a baby. Doesn't, doesn't look like Ethan Hawke at all. I'm like, no. I'm, not, I'm finding it really hard to think of him as Ethan Hawke when the Ethan Hawke that I think of is the Ethan Hawke from Me, My... No, no, it's not. There's something about me, Eddie. That's Ethan Hawke. Yeah, Hall he panel. does look really different. Doesn't he? Maybe yeah. it's just the long hair and the beard. Yeah, your style look, can really change like the way you look. Yeah, so well, this week we're going. Oh, sorry, I don't know why I said that. Like that was something I've imagined. Like I've worked out from years what? of research, and most people don't know. Let me change your hair; it can make you look a bit different. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if I was to shave my head, I'm sure I'd look a lot different than I do now. <laughs> <laughs> I remember back in school, um, someone said to me that I would look lovely bald, and that uh, I would look like Sinead O'Connor. That's just stuck in my mind. Like I have know, a nice shaved head. Whoever that was. Kind of see what I, I know I know who that was, but I can't remember her name, so apologies. What was her Sorry name? Sorry for listening. Leslie doesn't know your name. That's it. that's old age for you, you know. I'm my late thirties, so it, it's I'm past it now. I'm officially past it. I mean, I can't even remember half the shit I did yesterday. Like I've got a good long term memory, I think. Well, actually no, because I can't remember that lassie's name and that was like over twenty years ago. Jesus Christ. Eh. <laughs> Have we, we've not even got like our topic if you will if you listened to the last episode and um and we were talking tales from the crypt weren't we we're going to talk about tales from the crypt we are now what is your first memories of tales from the crypt i don't if this makes sense i don't think my first memories of tales from the crypt are tales from the crypt i think i remember so i i watched Tales from the Crypt Keeper, the Saturday morning cartoon version. See, that's is that I find this weird because I always found the Crypt Keeper really fucking terrifying. Well, and yet they think it's okay to make a cartoon. Also, the cartoon. Now, to be fair, this was the one that was like etched in my memory. I went back and watched it because I was like, I remember it being really creepy, and it was really creepy. And I'd actually say that the episode of Tales from the Crypt Keeper that I watched today was creepier than Tales from the Crypt. Wait, hold on. So you didn't today. watch. You didn't watch Tales from the Crypt. You watched Tales from the Crypt Keeper. I watched the both. cartoon. Right, okay, because I was going to get real mad at you there <laughs> for a second because you didn't meet the brief. So I think <laughs> Tales from the Crypt Keeper must have been on Saturday morning TV when I was about like eight or nine. But I think it was aimed at like slightly older kids. But I watched that and I was really into it because it was like weird and mm. macabre and all the things I like when I was a small I, child. Where was that? Where did you watch that cartoon? Because I don't remember ever seeing that. It was on that. one of the cable channels. Like, as I'm sure right. we'll, we'll really surprise you, we had my like dad stole cable when we were younger. 
So, well, so it doesn't matter that everyone had a dodgy Dave that yeah. they would get like a cable box from because remember, we had we both had the same thing because I remember coming back for lunch from school and what was it, Stephen Young or somebody um, put porn on it because you could catch all the crappy porn channels on the thing. <laughs> it was really bad. Oh, uh, I don't even it was, think as you say, though, not just you got all the crappy porn channels, but you got like, yeah, a channel with it, so Everything, you got like yeah, random American movies. kids TV mm. shows. So it was on one of the random American kids TV channels. Um, <laughs> I can't remember which one because it wasn't like Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network, but I really liked that. And then when I was a bit older, I then watched Tales from the Crypt, which I think again was on a random, yeah, channel. for me, it was. It was on late at night, and it might have been, like you say, on one of those obscure cable channels, because I would sneak downstairs when I was younger, and I would just, you know, because I'm a night owl, so I would just get up randomly, or I'd be up all early hours in the morning, and I'd I'd sneak downstairs in the living room, not wake up the parents, and then turn on the weird cable box, and I think sometimes I would just randomly select a channel, and that happened to come on, the Tales from the Crypt, and it kind of scared me a little bit, because the Crypt Keeper's really horrible looking, and he's got this screechy voice but he's kind of funny and cheeky in a way yeah he's same very... time but puns but like back then i was scared of everything so i was terrified of like chucky the doll and anything like that it would creep me out i think i had more of a vivid ev- imagination when i was a child than i do now like i have no imagination now and i'm not really i don't really give a shit about anything <laughs> like so i'm not scared of them <laughs> I think those kind of things were more vividly real to me than they would be now. Because now I can look at the Crypt Keeper. In fact, you know, here's a fun fact. The Crypt Keeper, when I was reading up about him, uh, the puppet in the first season, they had to, the voice actor had to speak really slowly because he didn't have enough budget for them to move the puppet's mouth in time. And also, (laughs) uh, I know, (laughs) I don't understand. No, that's a weird fact. Yeah, and his eyes are the same eyes as Chucky, the doll. It's the same guy that made Chucky the doll that, that produced or created the Crypt Keeper. That he's using the same doll's eyes. Makes sense. I don't know why. I mean, obviously because it's true it makes sense. But as soon as you said that, I was like, yeah, no, he does have Chucky's eyes. He does have Chucky's eyes. And I think they were going to try and sculpt like a, a nose or something for him. But then they decided, look, he's not got any lips and he's not, like, he looks like a skull anyway, not just leave out the nose and then it'd be a lot easier for you. But where, do you know the origins of the Tales from the Crypt? Where it, no. where it was based on? So, I love this, right? So back in the 1940, like, post-war uh, 40s and then into the 50s, there was a lot of horror comics going about, you know, these, with the pin-up kind of girls in the front, you know, the crime comics and things like yeah. that there's a company called ec comic they had various different characters and one of them was the crypt keeper but he didn't look like the crypt keeper from the 80s like like basically a corpse with chucky eyes doll eyes he looked just like a, a sort of man with long blonde scraggly hair and a hood he looked like a monk but he had he had a proper face and everything he just that was the crypt keeper and then there was the um is that why at the start of every episode you have a little like comic cover yeah so they're based on the comic cover a lot of the the episodes of tales from the crypt one of which i watched with leah thompson was based on the um 
the comic book covers so they would try and like whoever whatever actors they cast in the episodes they would try and make them up to look like the the comic book covers i think the one that i watched it said either at the start or at the end like based on the yeah they are based on what well, i can't comics. remember exactly what they said so, but it didn't well, say based on the comic, but it effectively did well the thing is i don't think there would be like your x-men or things like that unless like they paved the way for that type of thing because they had to move to a more like to keep the supernatural element in and sort of horror element in the um because americans are really fucking weird with our censorship like they they, they decided in the 50s that there would should there should be a comic book code you know like they did in the mo- like the movies like the pre-code like the, the yeah. haze code where everything before 1934 was quite racy and fun and then after that it all went to shit it's like when they like betty boop went from uh like a fun cute flapper wear a really short dress to a kind of boring housewife with a long, longer skirt. That's what. Well, so they put in a code. So the the people who made these horror comics ended up like they couldn't keep up with code. It just ruined their comic altogether. So they just you know basically killed it. Yeah. But they did keep Mad Magazine, which is something they owned as well. So they just concentrated on like comic, like actual comedy stuff. That makes than... sense. Well, not makes sense. But I remember like the like um yeah. what's that called? I want to call it free range characters, but like characters that anyone can use. But the reason that characters like Dracula and the Wolfman and stuff like that didn't appear yeah any marvel comics characters until like really late on in the run was because they weren't allowed to because of the comics code which as you say is a weird thing to be mm-hmm. like they're allowed so, to fight a genocidal maniac that's like made out of metal but they can't fight a vampire <laughs> in case yeah. that that's it. Uh, yeah so like on wikipedia it says that it was an american bi-monthly horror comic anthology series published by ec comics from 1950 to 1955 it produced 27 issues um the first issue was title was 20 previously having been international comics so they had like crypt of terror they have various spin-offs in the vault of horror the haunt of fear tales from the crypt was popular but in the late 1940s and early 1950s like i say comic books came under attack from parents clergymen school teachers and others who believed the books contributed to literacy which why would it? Because they're reading. <laughs> yeah, that makes no sense. <laughs> like, reading will make you illiterate. And juvenile delinquency. That's built. That's like it's like the 1950s equivalent of blaming like violence on video games or something, you know, or like video nasties sort of thing. They just want their kids to read the Bible, I guess, which isn't exactly family friendly, is it? No. With the Subsequent imposition of a highly restrictive comics code, EC Comics publisher Bill Gaines cancelled Tales from the Crypt and its two companion horror titles, along with the company's remaining crime and science fiction series in 1954. But they have been reprinted at various times, and of course, like they adapted them into a 1972 film, which was was a British film with um. Joan Cotter, the only one I remember, I caught a bit of it once. I don't know where I've seen it, but it was a famous bit in it where Joan Collins plays a woman who'd murdered her husband and Santa Claus comes to kill her. That vaguely rings a bell. But it's not Santa Claus, obviously. It's like a serial killer dressed as Santa Claus, but it's set around Christmas time and she gets strangled by Santa. <laughs> <laughs> really funny and the the tv series that we were looking at in the season the first season they remake that episode but that was an actual episode of the comics that um and they had spin-off movies as well demon night bordello blood and what i learned is as well is that the frighteners you know that film with michael j fox 
directed by Peter Jackson and the Quentin Tarantino one with the vampires from Dusk Till Dawn. Dusk Till Dawn, sorry. They were were supposed to be originally Tales from the Crypt films, but I think, yeah, they were supposed to be officially Tales from the Crypt films, but Tarantino and Jackson decided to like keep it as an in their own individual films instead and put took the name off it because they liked them so much I guess I don't know but so they made Bordello of Blood instead which is also a, a vampire kind of similar plot <laughs> under the Tales from the Crypt name and it was around about the same year like 96 Demon Knight I don't know what that's about and then the child, like you say, the children's animated a game show and a radio series. A game show? I think I, don't I might remember, remember it being a game show. No. What the fuck does game show consist of? Yeah, how would that work? All I'm thinking of is the Chuckle Brothers when they had a game show, and I found that scary enough. <laughs> Secrets of the Tripkeeper's Haunted House is a children's Saturday morning game show that ran on CBS. See, I find that really funny that, you know, like, they went from the 1940s to 50s saying that, you know, parents were like, oh, this is bad for our kids. They ban this filth. Think of the children. And then it ends up ironically being a kids TV show. Yeah. And a children's Saturday morning game show. <laughs> it features and it, the kids. And maybe that's why the kids what? show episode that I watched was creepier than the one aimed at adults. Because yeah. the one aimed at adults was based on comics from the like 1950s. And then... Oh the like 90s kids show they could just make it whatever they wanted so this game show actually won an emmy a daytime emmy nomination for outstanding (laughs) game show in 97 losing to the price is right (laughs) that's hilarious i mean if it was almost as good as the price is right it must be a really good game show so it's two teams of kids one team wearing red shirts the other team black shirts and both teams, usually named for a creature commonly perceived as scary, like beasts versus vermin, competed in five events. Four of the events were a constant, with the fifth event varying from one week to the next. So, for example, there was um, Fireball Alley, where one member of each team defending a set of six headstones from the fireballs of computer-generated skull named Digger. What? That sounds awesome. I want to watch this. <laughs> Aside from defending the headstones, the player had to keep from being knocked off the very unstable bridge and being vaporised by... It sounds a bit like Nightmare. Yeah, that was what I was thinking. I think Americans watch Nightmare, did they? Nightmare was really... I used to be scared of that as well. I used Nightmare to was brilliant. Think I loved that when boy... I was younger. Yeah, because there was scenes where the, the boy who was wearing the helmet, that sounds bad, but he was actually wearing an actual like helmet with horns and stuff oh fuck right so i try to describe this without it sounding filthy and so the boy that they he was wearing a helmet and he couldn't see through it so his pals his nerdy pals would sit and they would tell him to like sidestep left to or whatever and he would they would nab like help him navigate through the the quest lands this medieval castle or whatever and you'd get like really cheesy characters that would pop out dressed as jesters and stuff <laughs> asking questions but then genuinely like sometimes like the floor would collapse beneath them obviously it was like all video computer generated or whatever and at one point they would ride on a dragon's back and fly to wherever they were going but at times if they like made a mistake or something they would show you like a computer generated image of the boy and his face falling off yeah. until it became a skull yeah I that forgot used to freak that. me out i hated it <laughs> <laughs> So this sounds kind of like that. Like they've got other um, sections called the Incredible Shrinking Room, 
the Worminator, the Swamp from Hell, Vampire Slayer. The final round was Skullduggery, was the end game of the day. One member of each team entered the haunted house one last time in search of skulls. The players would usually search four or five rooms, the master bedroom, the mummy's tomb, the hall of horror and the dungeon. The creepatorium comes between the the hall of horror. Yeah, the creepatorium. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like Rolf Harris and Jimmy Avoid Savile. Avoid the nonsense, children. <laughs> <laughs> when the buzzer said that they had to avoid the nonsense. When the buzzer said that they had to move on to the next room. After all of the rooms were searched for, I'm presuming nonsense, they had to race out of the house and with the help of their teammates stack all the skulls onto a large skewer. The first team to stack enough skill That rings a bell. When they're putting skulls on a skewer, I think I remember that. Or failing that, the team found that the most skulls won 50 points. If both teams have the same number of skulls, whoever completed their skewer faster won the points. Right, what did they win? So 50 points was enough to win the game. Usually the winning team would receive Apple computers. Yeah, because that's evil. And while runners-up would receive a set of the new Grolier new book of knowledge. When you're saying their kids are illiterate, that sounds quite wholesome. Yeah. Would you say that the keeper became a sort of comedy style character? Well, he was always kind of comic, comical anyway, wasn't he? Like, you know, like in the likes of Freddy Krueger when he was a scary man and he sort of became a joke. Yeah, he almost started off because, as you say, he was entirely different from the original Crypt Keeper, but the non comics yeah. Crypt Keeper just sort of started off as a, a comedy ghoul. I think he's always been a sort of comedy ghoul anyway, but the comics were a lot like Inside Number Nine or like they always had twists, but the thing is that. What I liked about Tales from the Crypt is that the protagonist, is it the protagonist, the person who's like the main character, always yes, something they never won. Bad shit always happened to them, you know. Maybe to be fair, I'm now thinking the episode I watched because I was going to say that's not true for the episode I watched, and then I thought oh. actually maybe it did. Maybe the person I was reading is the protagonist because <laughs> I really liked him was actually meant to be the antagonist, and that really puts a different spin on what I watched. It says here on the Wikipedia that horror comics emerged as a distinct comic book genre after World War II when young adult males lost interest in caped crime busters and returning GIs wanted titillating sex and violence in their reading. Is that because they'd lived through violence themselves through the war? And they, I don't, that's weird. Yeah, that is weird. You think they'd Why not? And like chill. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I really want to try and get these comics now, but I imagine they'd be quite expensive, like the original ones. I'm sorry, so, just yeah. re-watching the entire episode that I just watched in my head and going, All right. yeah, hold on. Because I thought that, so mine was about a vampire, as we'll discuss yeah. later. Okay. I yeah, okay. I took like, the vampire to be the protagonist, but to be fair, he did murder several people quite violently <laughs> in the episode. <laughs> I clapped when he murdered the first person. <laughs> Like, I, I was sitting on my own and I went, yay! <laughs> I find it really fun. Right, okay, well, tell us about your episodes, because what was the assignment? We were to each watch an episode of Tales from the Crypt from, it ran from 1989 to 1996, I believe, which, funnily enough, is one of the episodes I watched in season one, The Crypt Keeper Breaks a Mirror, and he goes, oh no, I've just gave myself seven years bad luck, and the series only ran seven years so i don't know if they intentionally did that but it's quite funny so yeah you you started in season three an episode from season three yeah i watched the seventh episode of season three which was called the reluctant vampire right 
And the reason I picked it is because Malcolm McDowell played the vampire, and I somehow convinced myself. See what I mean? Yeah. No, what I was saying is that I know we'll get around to talking about the episode, but I just have to interject here. Because of how old we are, right, and the time scale that that came out, so I would have been, what, how old? Four? That episode came out in 1991. All right, so you would have been about like yeah five or six or something yeah and a lot of the people that we grew up with or know are are maybe people who became more famous as we're older were in these episodes or you get classic actors like you know malcolm mcdowell from where was famous clockwork orange or you would get like people who like patricia arquette who became more famous or demi moore like all there would the be people like that in, in this episode where all it was Malcolm really McDowell, Sandra yeah. Dickinson, who I don't know if you know, she's like that actress that has that like really sort of high baby voice and like. Oh, I know who she is. Yeah. 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 She was she in was like in an episode of X Files. Yes, and she's in. Apparently, she's in the new Batman. She's also going to be in the new Sandman series. Don't know why I'm saying things she's going to be in that I haven't seen. But yeah, she was in loads <laughs> of stuff. But I suppose that would have been before she was in loads of stuff. And then Norm from yeah. Cheers was in it. <laughs> I mean it's, it's fun to watch like all these people like there's loads of cameos that maybe weren't cameos back in the day but they're all kind of like p- known people from the 80s and 90s yeah some of which were quite famous I suppose or, or some that we think are, fa- like, are famous now but maybe just had wee bit parts in it. Again I was about to it's say Norm from Shears was the villain and then remembered no I don't think he was supposed to be the villain I just read him as the villain. <laughs> right okay so where are we with this so Malcolm McDowell plays the vampire so malcolm mcdowell plays the vampire so basically like um norm from cheers we we'll right. call him norm cheers mr cheers he <laughs> <laughs> i mean the plot was really confusing as well i was like this is madness he runs a blood bank well it makes sense yeah it's and comic book shit so okay one of his employees he's got like multiple employees one of them sally who's played by sandra dickinson and she's like really lovely and sweet and mm-hmm. no maybe she was supposed to be the anti like Sorry, the protagonist. He was definitely <laughs> an antagonist. But again, it was set in the early 90s, so I don't know. He kept telling her she right. had like a ass and stuff. So I right, was like, see, oh. I was going to comment on this as well. Because one of the episodes I watched had lots of 1980s titties in it. Like lady tits. Yeah, like he was and definitely they, like harassing her in the mm-hmm. workplace. But I'm like, maybe that was fine yeah. back then. <laughs> yes, but so what he, the 90s were sort of, yeah, okay. <laughs> he's harassing her and then... And then Malcolm McDowell shows up for work and then Sally is all like, oh, hello, Mr. Longtooth, which I was like, right, okay. <laughs> oh, if I didn't already know Malcolm McDowell played the vampire, like clearly Malcolm <laughs> McDowell played the vampire. What a good code name. <laughs> so he's like the night watchman yeah. and everybody leaves. And then basically when everybody leaves, he takes his little rat familiar out of a box and he's chatting to him. Aww. And then he's drinking blood from the like blood store, basically. Okay, um, fair enough. He's not killing people, he's just taking people's blood. Well, technically he is kind of killing people who need that blood. True. Yeah. So if he thinks he's being a moral vampire, he's not. He's not really. No. <laughs> so then it kind of like, oh no, that scene finishes with. So then there's mm-hmm. an interview on the radio and it's with somebody that's saying that they're somebody, another Van Helsing, and that they have proof that vampires are real and the radio talk host is all like, this is very interesting. And then Malcolm McDowell looks worried and then everything drifts out and then it's the next day. So it's the next day and it's the same thing. The office is closing up and then Norm from Cheers is trying to fire into Sally and Sally's trying to fire into Malcolm McDowell and telling him (laughs) that 
she like really likes him and she thinks he's handsome. Is Malcolm McDowell handsome in this well, episode? Well, no, that's the thing as well. The reason I watched it is because in my head I thought that I thought Malcolm McDowell was sexy and I was like, he's playing a vampire. <laughs> then I watched it and was like, Malcolm McDowell is not sexy. Sally no. was sexy. <laughs> yeah, I think that's weird about um, the show as well because a lot of the characters that are supposed to be like hot are, are really not. <laughs> and it's just bizarre. I don't know whether it was, it was designed that way because, or maybe it's just my like 21st century brain looking at you know the 20th century people from the 90s well like yeah he's all kind of <laughs> it's almost played as though he's supposed to be all sexy and seductive but i'm like nah, he's okay, not, he's not, i mean no. well he's called a reluctant vampire so why true. is he reluctant right okay well I'm so basically she's like trying to chat him up and then she's talking about okay. her family and then he says that he doesn't get along malcolm mcdowell so he says he doesn't get along with his family and he says oh mm. when i was back home they pres- were really into hunting and I didn't ever want to go hunting with them. I think hunting's really, really wrong. I get it. Right. Okay. So he's like a bit like Count Dracula in a way. Yes. He doesn't. He only yeah, right. I get you. Right. <laughs> 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 so then she's all like, oh, well, I think that you've been so kind is sexy. And he's like, really? You find kindness sexy? And then his fans pop out. <laughs> Which I was like, what, well, he got hard <laughs> just because she said that she thought that his kindness was sexy. But anyway, then his fangs pop out. And then they have a whole ridiculous scene where he's, like, trying to hide his fangs behind different things. Like That's a briefcase and a hat. And... <laughs> so then he leaves and then... You, you could probably pass that off as just someone who likes to cosplay as a vampire. I've got fake fangs. I mean, yeah, I feel, I feel like you could just have been like, oh, I've got weird teeth. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. he doesn't do any of those things. So she's right. kind of saying to him that she'd like to go on a date and then he ends up fleeing out mm-hmm. the building. But the reason he flees out the building is because he is, is lost because he's bloodlust. So he's arguing with himself right. in the street and he's all like, oh, I don't know what to do and I can't kill someone. And then this guy who's really well dressed and like in his mid 30s tries to mug an old lady and she boots him in the balls and he falls <laughs> to the ground. And then that was <laughs> Malcolm McDowell grabs him by the head and drags him into an alley. And like stabs a hole in his neck with a knife, oh. which was very strange because he had fangs. And I was like, don't know what's going on, but yeah. also, way. But then he was like, uh-huh. I mean, draining him, but like actual squeezing him as though he was like a ketchup packet. Ketchup packet. To get all the blood out of him, which is when I started clapping because I was like, this is an entertaining murder. <laughs> that would did it not get messy. Or did he have his mouth over the wounds and then No, he, he had his mouth like... over the, the, right. whole, the whole time. So then. It then goes to the next day, and again, they're, they've got their flirting still going on, and Norm from Cheers yeah. leaves, and then she leaves, and then he basically, he, well, he makes himself a blood cocktail, which is very entertaining as well, so he goes um, into the store, and he's like, a little A-B, a little O-neg, and he's like singing this wee <laughs> song, and then he's like, a little squad of lime, and then he's mixing it all together in a cocktail shaker, and then sitting enjoying his blood cocktails. <laughs> like this, I need to watch this there. Sorry, the cat's just digging through the wall while I tell you this, as he likes to do. So <laughs> then he re- he goes to get so like Norm from Cheers keeps a blood donor register book in his office. So basically, mm-hmm. it transpires that Malcolm McDowell goes and rubs out a blood donation every time he drinks it. So he goes to wow. do that and it's missing, and he's like, oh, I don't know what to do, and he starts freaking out. So then he goes out and he kills another. I think it's a car thief that time. So he kills a car thief, stabs the hole in their neck, but this time he like takes all their blood and puts it in a jug 
and brings it back and just refills the empty packets with it. Okay, right. Well, I take it back then because <laughs> when I said that he was just killing people because he's taking her blood, he's actually replacing the blood, hopefully yeah. with the right blood type, so he's not still killing people. By I don't them know because I did think when blood. he was making the blood cocktails, I'm like, well, that carjacker. An A B yeah. like he has to be one or the other. But anyway, so he refills them so that yeah, later when they're used in the hospital, somebody dies from getting their own blood type. <laughs> I was and just then, talking about that. Does that actually happen? No, no, um, no. It, it, right. I mean, but I would assume it would do if somebody tries to give them a blood yeah. transfusion. But so then it goes back to oh no, then it cuts to the police station and the chief of police is the principal from the Breakfast Club. Oh yeah, I know that guy. Yeah. <laughs> So he's trying to solve yeah. these two murders, and then you know the guy from the Hills Have Eyes, and oh, what else what, is he in? The baldy one. Yeah, the bald guy. With the weird eyes. Yeah, so he comes in wearing big glasses and a big hat, and he's like, "You may have heard of me. My name is Van Helsing." And oh, the chief of police is like, <laughs> "All right," um, and is very dismissive of him, and he's like, "You have a vampire on your hands." And yeah, <laughs> The chief of police is like, we don't have a vampire, and they have this big argument about it. And Van Helsing is like, when the bodies start piling up, you shall phone. Which then the bodies. So oh, <laughs> I think that's why the bodies start piling up. So yeah. Then it's back at the office, and Norm says that he's not getting enough donations, so he's going to have to let some of the staff go. He's like, there's not enough what? people coming in the blood bank to donate. <laughs> so Sally is one of the people that's getting let go. And mm-hmm. Malcolm McDowell doesn't want her to go because even though he's not going to act on the fact that he fancies her because he'll accidentally bite her, he still wants her to be there so he can just, I don't know, look at her. So, yeah. And she's really upset that she's going to be losing her job, which makes sense. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> so then that night, he basically goes out and murders like 17 people, but collects all their blood <laughs> and brings it back and puts it in empty blood bags and then just leaves it all over the office. So then the next day, Norm right. comes in and is like, Good news, everyone. The office doesn't have to close. Like, it's Christmas. He's not questioning, like, Santa's no, dropped off. No, everybody's clapping, and he's like, our donations are up 300%. But, yeah, see, this is what doesn't make sense about Tales of the Crypt. There's no logic to these no, things, because like, you would think... No logic at all. I'm sure in real life, when you get, like, blood, like, you donate blood, there's forms you need to fill out, and you need to know legitimately where it's come from, from an actual proper blood bank. Yeah, rather Not than just, just you come in and the blood all bank and sh- lying all over the place. And they're like, there you go, have a bag of this. That, that's like if I decided to just open a vein, fill up a fucking bin bag full of my blood, and then just fling it into the blood bank. Oh, there's a really funny <laughs> clip, though, that so before he kills anyone, yeah. you see him like approaching criminals and he's like, excuse me. Do you have any, uh, have you been tested for any bloodborne diseases, had unprotected Wait, sex in the past uh, four <laughs> years, or had dental work in the past 48 hours? Which, to be fair, was genius. And the mugger that he's talking to is like, um, no. And then he jumps on, like basically jumps in the air and kicks him in the chest on the ground, and then starts like leaping on his rib cage until he's dead, and then immediately removing his blood. Um, so that's funny. So then her job's safe and everybody's happy. And then then it cuts back to the police office and Van Helsing has been called into the police office. And he's like, yeah, I told you it was a vampire. And he says, I've looked into the... Re- <laughs> I'm going to do this in his voice. Again, this bit's ridiculous. He's like, I've looked into the records of where Carpathian soil has been delivered in the city. And it has only been delivered to one home. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
So yeah. then him and the chief of police and two officers go to Malcolm McDowell's house. The police are actually taking this cunt seriously. Okay. But Malcolm McDowell arrives at his house, doesn't realise they're coming. He goes downstairs yeah. and is like packing to go back to Transylvania because he... Right. He, he, he basically he's like saved people. Sally's job and he's like, my work here's done. Yeah. And I promise not to kill and now I've killed 19 people. So I'm going to leave. <laughs> and then... Norm from Cheers jumps out of a cupboard and he's like, what are you doing here? And Norm from Cheers is like, you're not going anywhere. I know exactly what's been happening. I've known you're a vampire for years. I've just been waiting to prove it. Then he starts spraying him with holy water out of a water pistol. (laughs) And he says, which makes no sense because anyone can get holy water. He's like, there's gallons more where that came from. Uh, You're going to do my bidding and make sure that my blood bank stays afloat. Oh and Malcolm McDowell's like, I can't, I can't kill anymore. And he starts spraying him in the face and his face is all lighting up and he's screaming, no, no, no. And then Sally oh jumps God. out of another cupboard with a gun <laughs> and points it at Norm from Cheers and is like, you leave him alone. So then this whole big argument ensues and mm. Malcolm McDowell pulls a lever which drops his coffin out of a hiding place in the wall and it lands oh, okay. on Norm from Cheers' head and knocks him unconscious. <laughs> And then basically there's this nonsensical conversation where Sally says that she thought that Norm from Cheers was doing something shifty, so followed him to Malcolm McDowell's house while he was following Malcolm McDowell. But head in a cupboard next. What? what? Yeah, just everybody's hiding in cupboards all over the place. (laughs) And then for Malcolm McDowell. Well, Malcolm McDowell's like, oh no, but now you know my terrible secret. And then again, she's like, with no explanation. Oh, I've known you've been a vampire for three years, and I think what? it's sexy. <laughs> <laughs> so then they start kissing, yeah. and then the door bursts open, and somebody shouts, police. And he's like, quick. So he throws her back in the cupboard, and then he picks up Norm's body and drops it in his coffin, and then he jumps in the cupboard that Norm was in. And then the police <laughs> come downstairs with Van Helsing. And the police are like, do you think this is our man? And Van Helsing shouts yes, and then pulls out a stake <laughs> and <laughs> smashes it into Norm from Cheer's chest. Again, I applauded. And then that's, that's... <laughs> the chief of police is like, you've just murdered a man. So basically Norm yeah. from Cheers is now dead and the police take Van Helsing <laughs> away. And then Malcolm McDowell and Sally come back out of the cupboards and he's like, what will we do now? And she's like, basically says let's go back to Transylvania together but first you've got to turn me and then he says you want me to turn you and she says I always this is the way it closes she went I've always wanted to be a dark nasty creature of the night and then they kiss again and then it finishes and then I clap some more it was meant to that's quite a fun one because unlike the ones that I watched he the baddie sort of gets to win like Norm from Cheers is the antagonist here yeah, it's like in a, in a way, Van Helsing is put in jail. Norm from that's Cheers. That's not is... what I expected. No, it was great. <laughs> at all. That's not what and I, I like that she's all like sweetsy, sweetsy, cutesy, cutesy all the way through it. And then in the last five minutes is just like pure sexy, sex, 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 sex. And I want to be a dark creature of the night. Like, OK. I don't know whether Malcolm McDowell's vampire would be into that, though, because he seems like he doesn't really enjoy being a vampire. And she really does want to be yeah, one so I think that, like, I'd imagine that's that weird yeah I'd imagine that he probably would lose a lot of interest in her at that point and if I was him I would just kill her 
I'm hoping that maybe like she only kills people who are sexual harassers. Like that's her thing. Maybe, but she sounds like a psycho. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm gonna like really look forward to watching that, even though I know everything that happens now. Because like um, we, we've got the children's fire episode uh-huh. one that I watched. Oh okay, I'm yeah. Tell you the whole episode, but just comparatively, it ends with a man being sealed in wax and left to die, and people think he's that's, a wax work. That's fucked. Okay, yeah. that's actually fucked up for a kid's <laughs> So, I mean, very different endings. I'm saying very different endings. I mean, again, some, <laughs> a human man gets a steak plunged through his chest. So still quite a violent yeah, it's ending. It's Norm from Cheers. It is Norm from Cheers. Cheers. Okay. I just love the fact that Van Helsing character didn't even think to like do any research about what this guy looked like he just he's like oh there's some dirt in this house did he check to see who lived in that house where no, was it norm just stab the first person you see i'm kind of questioning whether he is actually van helsing at all or just some nut <laughs> if anything you could probably uh, do you think that the cops would have thought that he committed all the murders then because he murdered norm in the coffin no, I think that it was implied that the cops believed that Norm had murdered. No, because the cop basically said something at the end that implied that Norm was, in fact, not a vampire. And that obviously, which, again, I don't understand why Malcolm McDowell was stabbing them in the throat instead of biting their throat. But because he'd been stabbing them in the throat, that didn't even add up with being a vampire. So, yeah, so I that's think true. thought that Norm was a serial killer. And then right. Van Helsing had okay. just casual stabbed him in the heart. <laughs> for murder as well that's brilliant so the cartoon right no i was thinking about you know how 80s 90s cartoons i think by law and again in america it's weird like they have these codes where um at a certain point when we were kids you know you watch like thundercats and then all of a sudden they would turn around and just say some random public service announcement yes like hey kids littering is bad even though it's got absolutely nothing to do with the or drink milk (laughs) Or fruit is good for you and stuff like that. And you're like, what the fuck is this? Like, there's all these moral things at the end of the program that's got nothing to do with what they just shoehorn it in. Yeah. Um, Don't get covered in wax or you'll end up in a museum. Did it? (laughs) I guess it it, like it doesn't have anything like that then, even though it was around about that time. No. um, No moral to the story. I mean, the story moral to the story uh, okay what why did the guy there was a guy that got covered in wax a baddie or what, what yeah although similarly it was like there was a whole storyline where so the guy who owned the wax museum had died and he left the museum <laughs> to his assistant who it was implied was developmentally disabled although they didn't outright say that and there was like a wee boy that went there every weekend and he was angry that when he showed up that the assistant wasn't now in charge of the museum. There was just some like random, really queeny old guy there being like, You pay the same as everybody else. You sweep the floors. <laughs> but there was no explanation as to why he was now in charge of the museum. And then the oh. boy told him shortly before he got sealed in wax that he should never have lied about because he'd like hidden the paperwork. And he said, You should never have lied about that because George who was the guy that should have been in charge, is a good man. So so maybe the moral of it was don't steal jobs from people with disabilities or she'll get sealed in wax. 
Oh, someone should see. I would. I really like it if Boris Johnson ended up in an episode of Tales from the Crypt and something seriously bad happened to him, and Jacob Rees-Mogg could probably dress up as some sort of like Victorian Jack the Ripper type guy, maybe. Maybe Jacob Rees-Mogg could be <laughs> Jack the Ripper, and yeah, he tells he gets caught. That- Boris Johnson Boris is going Johnson's to a fancy wife. dress party dressed right. as a, as a prostitute. sex worker and yes. Jacob Rees-Mogg accidentally kills him and then flees to hide in the wax museum and that little boy's like, you shouldn't have killed sex workers, mister. And then he gets sealed <laughs> in wax. And the, the Chamber of Horror section. Yes. Well, the episode, I, I thought I would just start from season one because it was 1989 and I thought that would be quite interesting because it's so far back. It's like nearly 40 years, almost 40 years ago. That's, that actually kills me to say that. No, <laughs> because that means I'm nearly 40 and I'm like, no, that can't be true. That really can't be true. <laughs> so like, we, we, me and my boyfriend are running out of things to watch. Okay, so we've watched pretty much every interesting thing going. And I was like, we, we went through a phase of watching all seasons of The X-Files. So I was like to him, well, there's seven seasons of this. Tales of the Crypt, so could this just be our new, like, X-Files? We could watch this, so I'm, I want to watch it from start to finish. I mean, yeah, now that I've watched season seven. one yeah. of each, I kind of want to watch all of them again. So I was going to start, well, I did watch the very first episode, but I thought the one, I went through all the sort of titles in a few seasons to see what one would catch my interest, and the one that, the synopsis that I thought, this sounds fucking mental, was called Dig That Cat, He's Real Gone. Now, from that title, what can you guess this was about? Is it about somebody grave like, robbing a jazz musician? No. <laughs> <laughs> was a close in any way? No. <laughs> so, <laughs> the guy who plays, right, see, when I'm talking about, like, famous people or people you might uh, might recognize from like the future <laughs> the guy <laughs> basically there's a bum now this is not this is my this is their words not mine but i love the term bum for a homeless person i think it's funny so he's he's a bum right on the street and he's just i don't know how he got there but he's just like a, a really corny bum He's a bit like Charlie Kelly. He reminded okay. me of Charlie Kelly from It's Always Sun in Philadelphia. You know, that kind of filthy, like, kind of idiot. Yes. Just lives on the streets, living off of trash, huffing glue and stuff. <laughs> right? So the guy who plays him, I think he's called Alias in the in the show, uh, in the episode. I found out that the actor that plays that character is Cypher from The Matrix. <laughs> Do you, I don't know if you've seen The Matrix movies, but that's yeah. who he plays. He's like the guy that portrays him and decides to go back into the Matrix so he can have some steak. I think that's him. So, oh. um, so it right. So he's up on oh. the street and there's this there's this professor guy. Like he's a mad scientist, and um, he's he, he sees this guy and he's like, hey, uh, do you want to make some money? I'll if you agree to be like an experiment, I'll give you money if you agree to help me out with an experiment I've got going. And he's pissed, so he's like, eh, why not? Whatever. You know, if it gets me some booze or whatever, like, you know, I'll just do it. He's got this really stupid accent. And um, he goes to this guy's lab and he's like, right, so what is it? He thinks it's just some sort of drug testing thing. But the scientist goes, so I discovered that I've studied cats, right? And I've discovered that there's a gland in a cat's brain that basically when they die, it brings them back to life. 
it's some sort of chemical or something that comes off this gland and they get rejuvenated and they're fine again. And I'm like, all right, I get where this is going because it's like the nine lives. It will explain nine lives of cats. Okay, I was going to say so I get actually, where this is going, but also surely that is not scientifically true because cats don't live thing. forever. I know, but it is based on a horror comic, so I mean you can't really take it seriously. <laughs> but it was really, it gets what it gets more and more stupid. So <laughs> the guys like. I don't know, I can't remember whether he was like, what the fuck are you talking about? But I think he was just that much of an idiot bum that he just decided like, okay, well, no, hang on, you're not drilling into my skull or something. And then he goes, yeah, but think about it. If it I'm, what I propose to do is, sorry, I jumped ahead of myself, is to take the gland out of this cat's brain and transplant it into yours <laughs> to see if it works on humans. <laughs> put a gland from one being into another like just so in like you're making a patchwork quilt yeah it was no real kit. <coughs> the, the surgery looked ridiculous so next, right so he eventually agrees to do it he's on the, the slab so to speak and then next thing he wakes up immediately after the surgery is finished okay for one thing that doesn't happen <laughs> If you get anaesthetized, you're not just going to immediately wake up bright as day yeah. after major surgery to your skull. And he's like, okay, right, what the fuck? And he's like, how do you feel? And he's like, oh, I feel all right. Um, how do you know that this has worked? And he goes, well, there's only one way to find out. I have to kill you. And he's like, whoa, no. And then he, he shoots him in the head. He shoots him in the head. Also bad choice so he, that seems the logical place where you would damage the gland he's just so in any should really have shot him in the heart. Yeah, it doesn't again, it doesn't make any sense because I'm like, okay, so now he's got a bullet in his brain. How the fuck does that work in terms of like him coming back to life? Yeah. There's no real explanation for <coughs> it. He he dies, then he comes back to life again and he's like, Yes, it works, right? And then you see that he looks around and he sees a dead cat, it's like a ginger cat that's next to him. And I went to David, right. How how do we know how many lives that cat's already had compared to like so how does he know he's got nine lives now because he doesn't that's what I would be asking anyway you know what I mean because that's one life down you don't know how many lives that cat's used up true he doesn't know the scientists I don't think would know unless he brought up a kitten I think he he took this random cat off the street because he's mental. <laughs> uh, right so you think right oh my god that's an amazing discovery. What do you think he would he would say next? What would you do if you were the professor? You've discovered a way to prolong your life nine times over. I would repeat the experiment on other homeless people. And then once I got to about 10 homeless people, would be like, hmm, I think maybe it's time for me to sew a cat <laughs> gland into my brain. <laughs> yeah, I would have thought I would have thought similar, like, why not do it to yourself? But no, he he only did it. His one thing on his mind was to make money by putting the guy in a sideshow. Nope, that's not <laughs> like, where you're going at all there. <laughs> because the episode opens, right? It's really weird, right? And what an interesting thing is, is directed by Richard Donner, who is like a really good director. He directed Superman, Superman 2, you know, he's like yeah. other things he's done. And it's like, it's really weird because the camera is like focusing. There's a man dressed up like a kind of Adolf Hitler clown and the sideshow and he's going step right up step right up come and watch the man who who gets resurrected or something 
and and he's like the camera's following him and he's just constantly talking directly to the camera it's really really weird and i was like oh i quite quite like the way that this is being directed it's kind of mental and then it flashes back to the the guy like you see the guy who's talking about and it's this guy with the cat the glands in his brain and he says this guy is going to get buried in a coffin and he's going to get buried for 24 hours just to make sure he's definitely dead and he'll come back to life. We'll dig him up and he'll be alive and all this, right? It was like so a weird sideshow like, attraction if you need to come back an entire 24 hours later. Yeah, it's really weird because I, I was like to David, that, that, oh, my boyfriend, we were watching it. That's like David Blaine. That's like ahead of its time, David Blaine did shit like that. But then I yeah. suppose Houdini would do things like that as well. And it cuts to a scene of this, this man inside the coffin. And he says, oh, this is how it all happened. This is how I ended up here. And this is the story. So that's why it cuts back to when he was a bum and this scientist guy <laughs> doing this to him. But I just don't understand. Like, if you've discovered something like that, you would take it to, like, your peers? Or you would, yeah. like, get a Nobel Peace Prize? Uh, not, maybe not a Nobel Peace Prize, but some sort of scientific prize. <laughs> not the first thing I'm going to do is take him to a fucking sideshow and, like, shell him for, for money. For one thing, sideshows were probably not really all that popular. I, I don't imagine they would make much money. Like, I don't know why he thinks he's going to make millions putting him in a fucking freak show. What the fuck? No, I feel like that just doesn't make any logical sense. Going to media yeah. outlets and making people aware that yeah. they could you to make them not immortal, but like have much more longevity in their life than getting people to give you two quid to look at a guy in a coffin. <laughs> No, but that's how he ends up. But it starts off with him and the scientist guy, and he's like, right, the scientist like, oh, let's make this interesting. I'll, I'll, uh, I need more money for my research. I need more research into this. And the only way I can do this is by putting you in sideshows, and and I'll give you a cut of the funds. But really, it's just for himself. He's just being a greedy fuck. And then, um, so he takes the guy to this sideshow, and he says, look, this guy, you can bill him as a man who the resurrection man or whatever so they first what did they do to him they put him in the side show oh yeah they put him in a tank right and he goes step right up step right up um, and he's in this tank and he's like watch the man be resurrected and they drown him in the tub and then there's this like like again like your episode there's a sort of like a dolly bird i don't know whether she's a famous actress or anything and she's like really skinny and she's got this like kind of over the top Dolly Parton style blonde wig, which is a wig in the show because she's got dark hair um, really. And she's like, oh, do you want... right. This is a really weird time to ask someone out on a date just before they're drowning. Like he's actually got the water over his head and she goes, hey, do you want to go out for dinner sometime? And he's like, yeah, <laughs> like he's not. He's about to be drowned to death and you're asking him out on a date. What the hell? So then he dies and then he doesn't come back to life immediately. So all the people in the sideshow are like, ah, this is a lot of shit. And then they leave. Um, But then once they've all left, then he comes back to life and then they'll run back in and they're like, oh, it's a resurrection, man. So then they come back for more like the next day and they try different methods of killing him. And I'm thinking, why the fuck is he wasting all these lives to make yeah. money for this one. Like he's got nine lives. I, I would rather say he's got a maximum of nine lives. You might not even yeah, have that. He does. We don't even know if he's got that. So then the next thing he's, he's back in the sideshow and he's being electrocuted 
and then he's being hung but the electrocution he's like oh what i didn't figure is that every time depending on how i die it might take me a lot longer to come back to life so there's this really funny moment oh here's another cameo as well we know this well david noticed that i don't know how he does this so he's in like he's on the slab in a mortician's because he hasn't come back to life yet he's taken ages and there's this kind of really tall kind of creepy looking guy who's a mortician and he's about to shove like you know the the embalming fluid into him and then yeah. the dolly bird comes and goes no you can't do that you can't and then he comes back to life and the guy like freaks out and david's like that's the guy from friends i was like what we literally just watched an episode of him in it like earlier that day i'm like shut so up weird he's the weird neighbor guy from friends i you know, I don't know if you ever watched the it. Guy, but wear, the old he, guy, he wear, or the yeah, like the, he wear, yeah, he wear, he wear, yeah. He's got a name, but I can't remember it. <clears throat> so, so that's it. They established that sometimes he it takes some ages to come back. So I think that's why eventually they come up with the the coffin bit because then he'll he's got time that so they don't have to worry about a mortician and bamming him and stuff like that because they control where his body is but prior to that they did um so what he decides is right so the professor's still here but then what he decides is that he wants to get all the profits for himself like take all the money from the sideshow so he gets it all so what he does is he goes in the car with the scientist guy and he goes oh do you know what i think um i think it's time you and i parted ways and he's like well you can't do that and he's like well yeah i can because I'm going to crash this car. You're going to die. I'm going to die. But I'm going to come back, baby. So then I can get all the money. <laughs> <laughs> so he does that. He crashes the car. And the professor flies out the window. And he's, you know, resurrected anyway. So it's fine. <laughs> That's how he gets rid of him. Again, you think the professor, after realising how to make you not, like, your life so much more yeah. sustainable. You'd want to keep him around. Because maybe yeah. you would need an up him to put another cat gland in your brain once you've ran out of nine lives again he's not he's a stupid bum so i guess he's not really thinking that far ahead yeah he's just thinking about money so then eventually he he becomes rich based on like all the the he gets all the profits and he starts coming up with things like he dresses as a bear and people can shoot him <laughs> and there's like this kind of it's so fucking weird, like, so the people at the Carney show, this guy's like, I'm gonna, sh-, like, my son here will shoot him. <laughs> and his son's Enough. like this kind of chubby boy. <laughs> and he's got, like, um, I think it's an arrow or something, or maybe a shotgun. And the boy keeps missing because he doesn't want to shoot a guy to death. He doesn't want to. His dad's, like, making him. He's like, I'll make a man out of you. You shoot him. He's like, no. <laughs> so he misses and then the the sideshow guy's getting really impatient because nobody can actually hit the guy and he keeps missing he's like come on we need to kill him and then the eventually this like hot shot guy um gets him through the heart he dies again and blah 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 and then they come up with the coffin thing but what happens is that um oh right okay so he ends up leaving the sideshow he ends up like getting a tv show because he becomes really popular people word of mouth about this resurrection man and then um, it's like hbo give him some money 
maybe they've paid him for a TV show and and the dolly bird's with him and the um the his trailer. But what she does is um he's like, How about you and me go on holiday, baby? We go, we take this money, we go and take a nice holiday to the Bahamas. She's like, Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. And she takes a knife and fucking stabs a cunt in the back, kills him, takes all his money and runs. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't expecting that. There's no real reason for no, it. No, that's I not she was genuinely in love with him. Like she really cared about him and stuff, but actually she was just after his money. Or maybe she just realized that he's an idiot and like I may as well just take his money. So he comes back, he's raging, and he's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna survive so I need to do one more job, which is the coffin thing. And it just ends stupidly because then he's in the coffin and he's like, See, when I get out of here, I'm gonna get my revenge on that bitch. And then he goes, hang on a minute. How many lives did that cat have? (laughs) He thinks he's on his like eighth life or something. He's got one more left. But then he realizes that he's used up all his lives and he ain't getting out of that coffin at all. And he starts screaming like, help, get me out of here and all that. And of course, like, that's how it ends, basically. And then the Crypt Keeper makes some stupid pun jokes. And that's how it, that's it. And a, a cat jumps on his coffin on his grave at the end like a black cat. So yeah, it was really daft. I mean, I don't really know what the moral of that story is. No, I'm trying to work out what it could be. Maybe don't take your nine lives for granted by sh- like exploiting yourself for money. You know, money isn't everything. But then was he happy <laughs> on the street? I mean, I think he would have been better off as a bum, probably. <laughs> Maybe that's the moral. Sometimes it's better to be a bum. Yeah, well, I think maybe because he was, they, they make him out to be a right idiot. So it doesn't really matter what he did. Like, whether he had loads of money or whether he was a bum in the street, he was always going to just fuck it up anyway because he's such a dumb fuck. You know, like, if someone gave you the chance to have nine lives, you would you would be careful, wouldn't you? Yes. Or would it be a thing like, because this is something I asked as well, like, say you get the... <laughs> so ridiculous. So you've got this gland and you've got nine lives. If you die, like, say you live to a really old age, okay? So you get mm-hmm. to 100, you're fucking old and decrepit, then you die. Do you then come back and you're rejuvenated and youthful again? Or are you still old and you've got to carry on? Or we said, what if you have, like, nine consecutive heart attacks so it comes, all the deaths come one after the other? <laughs> I suppose as well, if you don't rejuvenate, then, yeah, if you live to, like, say you're 100 and then die, then you might make it to, like, 105. But then at that point, you, there's a likelihood that you will die, like, every single day. Yeah, <laughs> shit. So it might just be, that like, you manage to get all that longevity from living, like, the healthiest life possible. <laughs> And live till you're over 100 and then you lose all your nine lives in the space of like a fortnight. And also the concept of cats like having a gland that resurrects them all the time is like, of course that's bullshit because, you know, cats get run over, they don't come back. Yeah. <laughs> There'd be fucking cats everywhere. Like, no, I, I mean, I don't know. You've got a cat. How would you feel about your cat like dying and then coming back? That would I mean, be nice, wouldn't would- it? Really? Yeah, that would be great. I don't. I wouldn't want him to die, so if he could have that ability, that would be brilliant, but I'm pretty sure he doesn't have that ability. Yeah. And then there was another episode, so I watched, um, that was called, it was about a woman who, she was like, a, it was like a pretty woman situation, but it was like really bad 80s hair and that, and she had a weird accent. 
It's like, hey, babe. Like, really deep. And, like, it was Leah Thompson. I just imagine Martin. in my head, I'm like, how does it go as a hey, pretty woman situation? Like, <laughs> but it's Taylor well, the crap. Like, like, she goes back in and stabs everybody. Well, you're not actually, you're, you're kind of close there because. Okay. So, Leah Thompson plays this kind of street hooker for what, like, that's basically what she is. And she thinks, like, she's really beautiful, apparently. Like, she's full of herself. very vain. She's like, I could get anyone with this face. Who's Leah Thompson and, uh, as well? As well, again. So Leah Thompson is in Howard the Duck. Oh, yeah, know who she is. Grand. Who kind of bangs the duck. And she also, more famously, plays Marty McFly's mum. Yes. What's her name? I don't know what her name is. Anyway. Oh, it doesn't matter. I don't know what her I name know is. Who, you mean now. who cares? Marty McFly's mum. So she plays her and she's a hooker and um, she's like her black friend who's, again, it's like Pretty Woman, is it? No, she was Hispanic, wasn't she? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just trying to <laughs> The black woman is so great. I absolutely fucking love that prostitute, like the sex worker um, or sex worker pal because she gets the best line at the end, right? So she is, she, she watches, like it's not like Pretty Woman as in, well, it kind of is, but they see a typical kind of what was it early 90s late 80s what's supposed to be a good looking rich guy kind of thing where he's he's not that good looking at all <laughs> that's what you're supposed to think is a good looking guy like a sort of uh what's his face who <laughs> played in pretty women richard gear type richard but he's Gere. got the floppy he's got the kind of the floppy hair you know what i mean with the suit yes. and suit and the floppy hair and the square jawed face that kind of look it doesn't float my boat at all <laughs> like i like pretty boys so he's there and she's watching him go into this fantasy hotel with a like a hot blonde and the black chick's like oh man what how what does she have that i don't <laughs> she's like where you're a sex worker <laughs> and she's like i could get that too like the leah thompson's character i could have that um so she um <clears throat> She wants to get out of the game, so she, I think she robs her pimp. I think she, she hits her, yeah, she lures her pimp into an alleyway. And then, it's from, I don't know how she does it, because honestly, she's tiny. I don't know how she manages to beat this guy up, but she does. Monk Maybe he has brown Maybe he does, I don't know. <laughs> Takes all his jewellery and she goes to a pawn shop. <clears throat> and there's a guy in the pawn shop. And he's really creepy. Like he's got like horrible teeth and that, and he's kind of the uh, skeevy looking. And she goes, "Hey, how much for this jewelry?" And uh, the guy's like, "Well, it's hot, so I can't sell this shit. Uh, it, it's clearly stolen." She's like, "Ah, fuck you, then." And she leaves, right? But he goes, "But hang on a second. Oh, before she does that, this woman comes in. This woman runs in, and she's um got a veil on, and she's like kind of old looking. She's like, "Fuck you! You ripped me off! You, like, I hate you!" And he's like, "Get out of my shop!" And you're like, "Okay." So she's chewing gum the whole time. I, I don't know what it was about women in the early nineties, just like sassy women chewing gum. Because I remember when I was there, yeah, and holiday, and there was like a a cool uh, like rep, you know, holiday rep called yeah. Dotty, and she had like the nineties kind of perm, you know, like Kylie Minogue perm, mm-hmm. and I thought she was really beautiful, and she was always chewing on gum. <laughs> so that kind of reminded me of that. Maybe she did it because so, like, of this episode of Tales from the Crypt. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> So I always thought like chewing gum was quite like for sassy women. And then um, 
so she so the guy's like wait a second i'll give you ten thousand dollars if you let me have your if you sell me your beauty she's like what you want ten thousand dollars just to take a mask in my face all right so ten thousand dollars doesn't really seem like a lot of money to, no. to us now but back then she was making it out as if it was like a fucking like she'd won the the a millions so he takes her back said to me i'll pay you ten thousand dollars to sell me your beauty i would not my brain would never go you want to make a mask of me i would think either you want to have weird sex with me or you want to cut my face off well okay so yeah i mean if someone said can you please go sell me your beauty and i'll give you ten thousand dollars i'd like well no i'd quite like my face thanks yeah I would, I, I would never think. would my brain go to you want to make a mask in my face like that where did you get that from why is that an assumption probably said to her, he probably said to her look all i want to do is to take an impression of your beautiful face and she maybe interpreted it as that's all i need to do so you see her on the chair and he's pouring like plaster on her face and that and he takes it off and he's like okay that's you away you go and she oh she off she goes she thinks oh brilliant that was easy money and then the next thing you see this guy and he puts the, he starts doing all this like voodoo shit, like saying like voodoo things. And you're like, oh, here we go. <laughs> and he puts a mask in a cabinet with all these other masks. So I can only conclude that the woman that came in was a former victim of his that also sold her beauty to him. And then he walks in to a different room and there's like this hideous corpse woman in a, cof- a coffin. And he's going, soon, my love, soon you will look as beautiful as the day I last saw. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what the fuck is going on here? So then it cuts to Leah I mean, Thompson. I'm hooked, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I'm really into this too. So it cuts to Leah Thompson and she's like spending her $10,000. It's like a, you know, a typical 80s montage scene where you see her going through all the shops and buying all these different outfits, like 1980s outfits with hats and all kinds of stuff. And she somehow just waltzes into that same gala that she's seen the man before. Like, just because she's got a fancy frock and a hat doesn't mean that she can just walk in there. Like, <laughs> I don't understand how she managed to get in there. Yeah, you can't be like, if you got your ticket there, the and like, no, but I got this $1,000 hat. <laughs> and I'm well, really beautiful. <laughs> and she sees the same guy and he's chatting up a bird. And, um, she starts looking at him all seductive and stuff, <laughs> just stares at him, and he just sort of ditches, like literally just drops this bird. <laughs> she falls, and he goes over her, and he's like, oh, and I'm like, she's not hot, like, oh my god, right, so he goes up to her, and he starts hitting on her, and then she says, you're a creep, I don't like you, and all this playing hard to get, and then he starts, like, pursuing her, and um. So they they end up together. So it cuts like it says four months later. Oh yeah, the guy. Sorry, I have an important important um, point um, of this story because it's a pawn shop, right? So mm-hmm. she says, so if I sell you my beauty, I've got four months to give you the money back, so I can get my beauty back. And he's like, yeah, that's right. So don't know whether he would have though, but maybe he chooses these women thinking, ah, she'll never come back anyway. So whatever so it says four months later and she's like in a bath and there's her yuppie husband think they're married now yeah and he's buying her all this fancy jewelry and stuff and then she's like looking in the mirror and she can see her face slightly sagged and then she just keeps getting like older and older more wrinkly and she starts panicking and she remembers about the beauty thing that woman that came in so she um 
she runs to the pawn shop and she's like give me my beauty bag I'll, I'll give you the money and he's like sorry you're a day late it's too late now you can't get it back she's like fuck you I'll give you more well how much money does it take to get my beauty back <laughs> he's like oh, $125,000 then she's like I can get you that so she runs back to the apartment and by this time this point she's like seriously aged like she's like an old crone um, <laughs> she goes back to the apartment her husband's there, but he doesn't, he thinks she's just some stranger because, like, she's ugly. And he's like, get out of my house. Who the fuck are you? Because she goes in, she tries to steal all the jewellery and stuff, like, to sell so she can get the money to get her beauty back. She's like, I'm only 21 years old. And the guy's like, get out of my fucking house. Who are you? And she just, I don't know why she does this, but she takes out a gun and shoots him a lot <laughs> i mean he must have had fun with squibs because he had like 10 different squibs go off she shoots him everywhere but the head like just all over his body and it's like pow all this blood comes out that made me laugh a lot so then he like calls down she runs back to the pawn shop and goes look i got enough here for one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars." and then the pawn shop guy puts on the news and he goes ah but look and then it's on the news that, you know, like her face, her beautiful face is there and they're like, she's a gold digger. She killed her husband for it and stole all his shit and all his jewellery. And he's like, are you sure you want your beauty back? Because nobody's going to recognise how you look now and you wouldn't want to be caught up because I'm sure they'll give you the death penalty. <laughs> and then she goes, yeah, OK, then <laughs> I better not. I better stay old because then they'll recognise me. And he goes in the back and like he's this corpse of a wife is all beautiful again. And he's like, look at her. She's gorgeous. Just like the day I first met her. But I was like, does she come back to life? No, she just looks like she did before, but she's still dead. So no. instead of looking at like a horrible corpse, he's just looking at a pretty one, which is kind of weird. Like I mean, you would at least if you go to have to sacrifice to make his um, dead body look hot. It looked, it looked like there was about 20 different masks in that uh, in that cabinet and i don't know how long it lasts you know before she goes back to being like rotten it's fucking fucked up so this is like one of my favorite bits so she ends up running back out into the street um because it's all over the news and stuff and she's all over the billboards and like you know the big screens and stuff and uh, she bumps into her old pal <laughs> she bumps into her and falls and the the her old friend's like get out of my way you horrible old cre- um, horrible chrome bitch <laughs> and, <then walks> off. <laughs> and that's how it ends <laughs> at least the moral of that one is clearer Vain, vanity I guess don't sell your again it's greed isn't it it's money it's like she's she's thinking of herself like she's she has a bit of a gold digger I suppose um, don't take your beauty for granted I suppose is the moral to that story don't Punch your face to a man in a pawn shop. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a weird thing to say someone in a pawn shop. I mean, I don't think I'd be that desperate. I want your beauty for $10,000. Again, I think I just it's just like, like you're, oh, thanks. And then, <laughs> <laughs> like... and then the, the first ever episode I watched, right, I will just be brief about this one because I wanted to watch it because it had it starred William Sadler. Do you know who that is? No. You you uh, you do know who he is. He's deaf and Bill and Ted. He oh, plays okay, yeah, as a grim reaper. Really. But the thing is, I've never seen him without the, the deaf makeup on, so I was really curious to know like what he looked like. 
And David's like, oh, that's obviously him. Look at the shape of his head. I was like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know that that's death from like, I don't know. I just, I just wouldn't reckon. But you can tell David memorised the shape of all actors' heads or just ones that have like <laughs> smell like beings. Um, but it's funny because it was uh, he's playing a character that's obsessed with death um, and he's an electrician and this is before Bill and Ted because this was in 1989 and then in 1993 or 92 he went on to play the Grim Reaper again so it's quite funny to sum this up this is basically he's an electrician and he works in a prison and he um he basically executes people in the electric chair he's like I used to deal I used to like sort out the lights in here and he's talking like an old 1940s kind of southerner like a cowboy he's, uh, he's talking like a cowboy <laughs> he's in this jail and he's like he loves electrocuting like the prisoners he's like they always scream and holler before they get to the chair insisting that they're gonna get a stay from the governor and they never do and he's talking about how electricity um how it kills you and he's like i wonder what it's like to like they say when it hits your brain you're immediately knocked out or or i don't know and so he kills this guy and then uh they i was like this is so predictable what's gonna happen here is is that he loves his job killing people in the electric chair but you know what's gonna happen is that the government are gonna rescind like you know the death penalty They'll, they'll get rid of it and then he's out of a job and he goes to the governor oh, can i can I at least stay and get my old job back you know like sorting out the electrics and he's like nah nah fuck off <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be good it wouldn't be good for having you around the prisoners basically you know because you killed them <laughs> so he goes around like the city and um he can't let his job go and he sees like again like a bit like the vampire thing where some crime happens and they go to court and he gets away with it. It's like a, a really stereotypical biker guy. He's in the courtroom and the woman, the judge goes, he's getting off on a technicality. So um, case dismissed. And he's like, that's ridiculous. Like he's got away with murder. So he takes it upon himself to electrocute the guy one night. <laughs> he goes on a fence and then he just keeps doing the same thing. Like he, he, he goes around like he's justifying like some sort of like vigilante guy and he just can't wait to electrocute them in all different ways like there's a couple that murdered he's murdered his wife so he could be with his mistress and they're in a bubble bath and then all of a sudden William Sadler appears and he throws like a, a switch or something he throws something in the water and electrocutes them but see the way they die it's so cheesy they're like ah! <laughs> it's so funny and then he goes in a strip and then there's no explanation for this one i don't know what this woman was supposed to have done but this is like an 80s titty bar and they're all like in cages with their 80s boobs out like shaking them about and stuff and he's like this bird's about to get fried and i'm like well what did she do you've not said what she's done (laughs) and just before he electrocutes her the police find him and arrest him and say look you you need to stop this we've caught you now you're coming with us and then i'm like yeah and of course the death penalty gets reinstated so he ends up in the chair screaming and that's how it ends (laughs) it's really predictable but it was funny i mean that is entertaining it was quite entertaining yeah it's really cheesy i think the the thing about these episodes is that they're they're quite funny to watch i don't think they're very gory um see the one you watched was there any swearing or nudity or anything like that in it no no 
not well, where did you watch yeah, there was sexual harassment but there was no swearing there right. was no nudity there was no because mm-hmm. i was reading facts about the series and like i like to go on the internet the database and look at facts about the trivia they said that they would film two different versions of the episode depending on what state or what place had different censorship laws so one would be like have swears and like like the one I watched had breasts and nudity and stuff and like things like that and then other and gore and others would be out like have some of that taken out and maybe a lot like milder version like a censored version uh de- and depends on where it got broadcast which I thought was funny but I'm just watching it on my phone I realise that I'm saying no but at the here. end of the episode uh-huh. I watched when it goes back to the crypt keeper he's like murdered mm. a woman in like tiny red laundry <laughs> and she's just like lying on a table in front of him and he makes a weird joke about <laughs> being dead so no in the action episode itself but the like outro yeah they had a right. woman and okay. um, the underwear with giant boobs just dead on a table the guy that does his voice his voice is brilliant the script keeper it's really creepy it's quite it's quite it, it's horrible but it really fucks up his throat so he's constantly having to drink honey and ginger drinks just to soothe his throat because of the way that he has to do the Crypt Keeper all the time. What's the guy's name? I'll look him up. So if you get any other thoughts about are you going to continue watching more? I'm going to watch the whole thing, all the seasons, because I'm just interested to see what other people or famous people are going to pop up. Yes, I know. same. I think I want to watch it because I found that it wasn't as creepy as I remembered it being, but it was uh, like uh, very entertaining. And it's quite had, like, campy. Yeah, it's very campy. The guy's called John Cassier. Oh, there's one in season one that I want to watch. Is about a woman who stuffs her husband like in taxidermy. <laughs> that looks funny. Miguel Ferrer's in it. That's the guy from Twin Peaks, Agent mm-hmm. Albert. Uh, there's so many people. Lance Hendrickson. Um, looking through the cast. Michael Ironside. Joe Pantoliano was the um. I think he was Cipher, the guy I was talking about. Uh, John Boy, <laughs> Dr. Ch- Richard Dr. Thomas, who was in Ozarks as well. Demi Moore. Oh, um, that's a good get. Well done, too. Vaughn Rickles. Yeah. Lewis Arquette. I wonder if he's related to Patricia. I don't there are know. a lot of Arquette. Not as in, there's a lot of people with the name. Like the Arquette family's really big, isn't it? Yeah. Tim Roth. Whoopi Goldberg's in one of them. Uh, there's Mal- Donald Longtooth. I mean, what an obvious name. I know. <laughs> Kirk Douglas, uh, John Glover, he's the guy that played what's his face in Smallville, Lex Luthor's dad. And oh, yeah. um, Bridges. yeah, Christopher Reeve, funnily enough, is in it as well. I think he's in one about a restaurant, which Joe Pesci, Timothy Dalton, uh, Mimi Rogers. I think um, two Bonds are in that. So Timothy Dalton and Daniel Craig. It must be a really young Daniel Craig in one of them. I mean, yeah, like a really young Daniel Craig. Yeah, Blythe Danner, that's um, Gwyneth Paltrow's mum, is in it. Clancy Brown, Tim Curry, Bill Paxton, Brooke Shields, there's so many. Martin Sheen, Lou Diamond Phillips. I think that's going to be fun. I'm going to watch a lot of them, I think. Um, I think they also said that a lot of um, directors would direct, like famous directors, I think one of them was Tom Hanks even, would be given... Like we would do an episode of Tales of the Crypt just for shits and like just for a laugh because it was so much fun to do and you could, you know, be a bit more like free with what, whatever they're like creatively yeah. and it was more fun for them. So yeah, I would highly recommend it. I mean, it is cheesy as fuck, but it is funny and I think it would be highly entertaining. And if you're young and you've not, you weren't born before the year two thousand, 
then it'll be a, a wee historical thing for you. <laughs> yeah, you might not know who any of the actors are, but it yeah. still will be entertaining. Oh, Death Becomes Her was also supposed to be an episode of the show. But that became makes a sense. Movie. That has big tales from does the make- it does, doesn't it? It really does. That's funny. It took six puppeteers to operate the Crypt Keeper during his scenes, four puppeteers alone just for his facial expressions. I'm just reading some trivia from um, Internet Movie Database. Joel Silver was one of the directors. Robert Semeckis, who did, I think, well, he did Back to the Future. So that would yeah, explain why Leah Thompson. Well. Yeah, and that would explain why Leah Thompson got cast in that. Yes. Uh, and then, yeah, two versions of every episode were filmed for broadcast and syndication. The toned down versions mainly consist of the removal of strong profanity, gore and nudity. Well, that's all the fun taken out of it then. <laughs> that's mm. right. True. The show has been known to like writers. Were definitely my favourite bits of the episode I watched. Yeah, because like when she shot her husband, it was over the top. It was like, have you ever seen Robocop, Paul Verhoeven's Robocop? Yes. Like I forgot how fucking ridiculously gory that was, like how over the top it was. Like when people got shot, they got shot like 20 times and again all these squibs just come like explode out of them. It's like loads of blood. And there's tits in that as well, like gratuitous nudity, which you never get these days unless it's like a parody or something. I think it's just more normal. So like the show has been known to allow writers, directors, actors and actresses alike to experiment on various avenues and given free reign while still staying true to the spirit of the comic books. For example, actors like Tom Hanks, Michael J. Fox and Arnold Schwarzenegger were given opportunities to direct the episodes and have some fun. Bonus, I would like to direct an episode of Tales from the Crypts. I think it'd be hilarious. Go and watch Tales of the Crypts. Crypts? Crisps? The Crypts? Not the Crypts and the Bloods. Sorry, I'm going into a fucking episode. Go watch a documentary about the Crypts and the Bloods, then eat some crisps and watch Tales from the Crypt. Tales of the Crypt, yeah. So what are we going to be um, discussing next week, Mark? Let's choose a number between what? One and, and 20. What? I'll choose number eight. Uh, eight is HP Lovecraft. Yes! Yes, so we're indeed. going into delving into the life of H.P. Lovecraft, not the Eldritch Horrors, but H.P. Lovecraft himself. Yeah. Yeah. Is that where we're going with that? Okay, that we'll, we'll, we'll wing it. Okay, so thank you very much for listening. And what would the Crypt Keeper say? <laughs> I don't know. I can't do it. My voice is fucked. Really weird. <laughs> I've heard quite a lot of the stuff he says is completely like out of context. Like he's like. Don't play with fire, children, and the episode's not been about fire. <laughs> right, I'll deliver this one. One in the hand is worth two in the bush. Ah! <laughs> he always does puns. He was also, I think he was, he had a cameo in Casper the Friendly Ghost. I think it was the, like her dad or something, like um, Christina Ricci's dad in it, was like looking in a mirror and getting all scared. And then he became different people in the mirror and one of them was a the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> Yeah, there's Crypt Keeper pun time, right? Let's I'll just play this one. You can hear him. This is what the Crypt Keeper sounds like. Greetings, infestors. I'll be with you in a moment. I was just putting these gross profits away for safekeeping. That's kind of funny. Ah, the kill of victory. (laughs) What's your problem, soldier? You some kind of mummy's boy? 
Uh, so it looks like Neptune <laughs> has just moved from Virgo to late Capricorn, which would mean you should avoid any serious romantic entanglements for a while. We can help you get Morg for your money, whether it's mutual fiends you want or cold, horrid cash. We can guarantee you'll coroner the market. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm fierce girl. I'm fierce girl. Ah. Care for a chocolate? And I call. <laughs> Care for a chocolate? Bleed them and weep. Spades beat hearts every time. <laughs> okay. Talk about trial and terror. About face. Three, large. Hut, two, three, four. Hut, two, three, four. Please now that's what I call active service. <laughs> yeah, you get the idea. Bye. Bye. <laughs>